Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. We haven't met before. My name is Andrew. And uh, it's so good to see you here. One of the things that I like to do is mountain biking and uh, something that I do pretty regularly. I've got a a group of guys that uh, love to get out into the bush. There's something about being out in nature where you can't see anything man-made that I find very relaxing and refreshing. And so in my journey, I started mountain biking not super early, probably started Um, When I was about, just before I was 30, I won't tell you how long ago that was because I'm quite sensitive about my age at the moment, Um, but uh, started doing that and I remember one time that I was coming down this connecting bit of trail and it was pretty steep, so it was like a fire trail and as I was coming down, in the road were these massive ruts that were caused by months and years of erosion. So heavy storms had kind of made these ruts and they were probably about this deep, maybe almost like 10 centimetres deep. And uh, first time coming down, I was not aware of these ruts. And so I got caught in a rut. And who knows when you got caught in a rut, you go where the rut takes you, right? You can have intentions, you can be looking that way, but if the rut's going that way, you're going that way. And so today, I want to talk about ruts and a different kind of rut, ruts that we have in our thought life. And a rut in our thought life is patterns of thought that take us anywhere or nowhere, but nowhere on purpose. And it's really important for us if we're going to talk about in this current series about the battle we must win, we have to talk about ruts and things and patterns, repeated patterns of thinking. Who knows sometimes that we can have the same thoughts, do the same things and have the same problems. And just because we want to change doesn't mean that we can change. And just because we want to do different, it doesn't mean that we can do different. So we're stuck often in these cycles, in these repeated patterns. And you say, well, I really wanted to go this way, but because we're in a rut, we end up going this way. I really wanted to make forward movement and and forward progress, but I'm back exactly where I started. I really wanted to avoid that type of person. But for some reason, I still am in a similar relationship with a similar type of person. This is what it means to be stuck in a rut. Now, one of the issues when you're stuck in a rut is that over time, your actions can become your identity. Your actions become your identity. So therefore, sometimes you say, well, I, you can go from I have failed to I am a failure. And you can become in these similar things. You will say, 
you start saying using these words, never, I will never progress. You start using these other words, everybody and nobody. Well, everybody sees me this way or nobody sees me this way and I can never change and I can never go forward and I can never escape. And it's not a very good feeling because we feel powerless and over time. I, I know the feeling. Probably about maybe three, four years ago, I was stuck in a rut and I just had like zero confidence on life. I just thought I was, I didn't think I was good at anything. Like literally, I was just, I was so flat. I didn't think I was a good pastor. I didn't think I could communicate well. I didn't think that I was a good dad. I didn't think that I was a good husband. And all these things, was that the truth? No, it wasn't the truth. Did it feel like the truth? It felt like the truth. And I was stuck in a rut. The most normal thing, and I'm going to explain why it's so normal, being stuck in a rut is the most normal thing. And even in the Bible, Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, I don't know if you've read uh, this passage of Scripture or familiar with it, he talks about a rut that he's stuck in. And here's what he says, my version. The Apostle Paul, I don't understand what I do. I don't do what I want to do. I hate what I do. I desire to do what is good, but I can't do it. And he finishes with this, what am I going to do? My paraphrase is, how am I going to get out of this rut where I know it is right, I know it is good, but I keep doing the wrong thing? So if you feel, if you have an area in your life where you feel your pattern of thinking is restrictive and is stopping you moving forward in life, in your faith, in the things of God, in your relationship, I want to say that you are the most normal person. Because this is life, and I'm going to explain why, but I'm also going to talk about how we can partner with God to bring freedom. Because who likes being stuck? Who likes being out of control? Who likes giving away your self-control and coming back in repeating circumstances? I don't like it. You don't like it. And so we're on this journey. We've got this map here, which is a beautiful illustration and so we talked about the strongholds of the mind last week. That podcast is up, was up a little bit late, but is up. And today we are going to talk about the well-worn path because this is another way to say ruts. These are our repeated patterns of thinking that are normal. Who's ever had uh, a dog in the backyard that followed a similar path and used to kind of walk in a similar way. It becomes a well-worn path. Nothing grows there. This is just what is like. So we're going to talk about the well-worn paths. Here's what we're saying in this series. The battle you must win is we are recognizing that in our thought life, we are in a high-stakes battle. It's very important. And the battle centers around this, truth as defined by Jesus and the word of God versus lies as defined by our world. This is the simplified, this is the battle that we are in. 
And so here's what we've been saying. The product of your life is determined by the pattern of your thoughts. Okay? Where I end up in life is going to be due to the path of thoughts, the patterns of thoughts. And so we can see that both as a positive and as something that we need to be mindful of, even at times a negative, that sometimes our well-worn path can take us in positive directions. Other times it can take us where we don't want to go. And the reason for this, let me give you a couple of things to set this up, is this is how we were designed and created by God. Okay, so we were wired, we were designed and created by God to have neural pathways. And the brain creates what I call well-worn paths or ruts in our brains, neural pathways, and they are designed by God to make things easier and to make living possible and our body to function and think and work effectively. So every thought that we have is an electrical impulse that triggers an electrical impulse and a chemical reaction, and that forms a neurochemical reaction. So these repeated thoughts, we create well-worn paths or ruts in our brains, and a lot of these are good. This explains why some things are easier to do, some patterns of thinking are easier to have. You would, you would recognize this. So who, for those that drive here, who has ever driven somewhere and when you get there, you drove safely and uh, normal day and you don't really remember how you got there. You don't remember where you turned. You don't remember. You didn't consciously remember pushing the foot down on the accelerator, the brake, using your indicator. This is a positive for our well, well-worn path. This is a healthy, established neural pathway that allows us to function and think and do things effectively. So let me give you a little bit more detail just to set this up. So our brain is a command center. It directs our bodies through neurons. Neurons are information messengers, and they use electrical impulses and chemical signals to transfit, transmit information to our nervous system. The nervous system then controls most of the functions of our bodies. And so when we repeat thoughts, we establish a neural pathway. We're creating this well-worn path. So think, thinking and thoughts that we're doing again and again eventually becomes effortless, normal, and comfortable. And it's designed that way, right? But this explains also why when it comes to new thinking, and doing new things, it's less comfortable because we're going out of our well-worn path. We're going to have to pioneer something. We're going to have to trailblaze. We're going off the beaten track and we're going to have to go into the bush or the forest and we're going to have to create something new. So we understand, it's really important to understand that why we find it difficult to change is because it is difficult. It is actually difficult to do because we were designed to maintain the status quo. We were designed to do what we've always done. So it was created for good, but like anything, it was damaged by evil. It was damaged by sin. So we've got to understand 
that our culture, our environment, childhood perspectives, experiences, what we watch, what we listen to, what we think is normal, have influenced and our reaction to life has influenced what we're going to do, how we create these well-worn paths. And sometimes we, sometimes to cope, to get through seasons, we've created these ruts, we've created these ways of coping, we've created these, what you could call these cognitive distortions that aren't giving us the right perspective on life. And to make matters worse, sometimes our brain rewards bad behavior, all right? So I'm increasingly uh, being aware that, you know, I confess that I had a, a chocolate, uh, peanut butter M&M problem. My good friends bought me a giant bucket of peanut M&Ms, which got really messy. You know that you've got a problem when you're standing eating handfuls at the pantry. You're not even seated, all right? But I've realized that this problem is extending. It's extending to dark chocolate bullets, Randomly, someone bought a packet of fruit tingles home the other day. I ate them all in about 10, okay? I've got issues, all right? Because sometimes we, to get through, we're looking for a way out. We're looking for that instant pleasure. And our brain rewards that. Sometimes we want to get through by emotional eating. Or often the way that social media is designed that it triggers us to come back to get an instant hit in our brains. And we just got to be aware of it. Not everything that we do, we shouldn't just avoid any kind of uh, pleasure or anything enjoyable, but I'm saying that sometimes there are some things that don't help us get where we want to go. Who would agree, right? But the good news for today is that we can change, you can change, God has given us the power to change, and I'm going to explain why. We are invited into a different way of thinking, and the way that we need to change, and the Apostle Paul talks about this a lot, is to get a new mindset. Everybody say mindset. So the battle, remember they said, the battle that we must win is truth versus lies, and a mindset... And this is not just a um, spiritual, we're talking about the spiritual principle here, but this is a commonly known and well-studied concept about mindsets. But we would say of anybody, regardless of whether they call themselves a Jesus follower or not, your mindset is your simplest beliefs about what is true and false for you and your life. Let me say that again. Your mindset is your simplest beliefs about what is true and false for you and your life. This is why it is so important. Our mindset becomes a filter by which we process the experiences of life. Okay? There is a... I watch a a little bit of NRL rugby league and there's an ad that's often on for superannuation. And the, the premise of this ad is that there are two people... With the same job, similar circumstances, one chooses a different super provider, the other chooses another one. Okay, and usually they've got them, one going up an escalator and another going down an escalator. Who's seen that ad, maybe? Okay, so this is actually a pretty good example of the power of a mindset. 
Because if we have the right mindset, which I'm going to describe, two people can face almost identical circumstances and challenges and the end result can be totally different because of the way that they have processed what has gone on. And there is incredible power here. Let me give you our main uh, passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 8, 5 to 9. You can read that uh, along. It's going to be on the screen. It's also you can look in your Bible or on your device as well. Before we read, uh, it uses this term flesh. All right. Before we read this, to understand this, if you're not familiar with this, the Apostle Paul is using this to say a pattern of living without God or is that a, or that is opposed to God. We could also call it a sinful nature. And there's a contrast between flesh and spirit. Let me read this. For those who live according to the flesh, pay attention to this, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Who would, who would opt in to a mind that has life and peace? I think most of us would, right? And so there's this contrast. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those that are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Why can they not please God? Because they don't want to. They are hostile to God. You, this is you, if you want it to be, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. This is really, really important. And what we, what we understand when we're having this conversation is that there is a spiritual world that we are invited to participate in. There is a spiritual realm. So there is more than what we can see with our eyes. There's more than what we can experience. And there is something greater. There is a greater power and a greater force of life, which is the Spirit of God, who is inviting us in. And what's he inviting us in? He's inviting us to the mind of the Spirit. When it says uh, the mind governed by the Spirit, it's literally we have an invitation to have the mind of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that we have, we have an invitation to have the mind of Christ. In fact, Paul says to the Corinthians church, a very troubled church, and he goes to counsel them and to guide them on, on all the things that aren't, they aren't doing right and the way that they're being dysfunctional. But the first thing that he sets up with them is this idea that you have the mind of Christ. And I want to say to each and every one of us, whether we feel like we do, I'm sure if you're like me, I don't always feel like I've got the mind of the, fight, the mind of Christ. You are invited to have the mind of the Spirit. And this is, let's make a connection, this is the answer to the rut that the Apostle Paul was describing in chapter 7. We talked chapter 7, now we're talking chapter 8. Chapter 7, he says, I don't understand what I do. I don't do what I want to do. I hate what I do. I desire to do what is good, but I can't do but I can't do it. And then he says, what am I going to do? And in chapter 8, he answers his own question. What am I going to do? 
Well, I'm going to learn how to live with the mind of the Spirit. And there's this contrast that you and I are all invited into. This contrast here, the difference, and this is the battle we must win, the mind of the Spirit is warring against the mind of the flesh. And Jesus invites us into this. He invites us to have a holy obsession as opposed to a worldly oppression. Let me talk about this. I don't know if you realize, but you are invited to have a holy obsession. What captivates your imagination? What do you think about when you're not thinking about anything? Do you think about the plans and purposes of God? Do you think about what we have available to us? Do you think about how to please God? Do you think about how to give your heart to God? Do you enjoy the beauty when you're out? And you, for those that like going outdoors and when you see a sunset, does that captivate your heart? Do you look to Jesus? This is what it means to have a holy obsession. The opposite to that is to have worldly oppression. What does this look like? You are crushed by the grind. Life just keeps beating you up. You can't see a way forward. You think that in your life you've got to put everything on a spreadsheet to make everything work. And you are under this constant pressure. You're on the treadmill. You are running fast and you are going nowhere. There is a heavenly perspective that Jesus invites us into. It's not by works. It's not by effort, but it is by attention. And we go through life having this invitation to look up. I'm not saying that we don't have things to do. I'm not saying that we don't have responsibilities. I'm not talking about being flippant with life, but I'm talking about a perspective that like that illustration, one person going up on the escalator, one person going down, it's this mindset, it's this filter based on the Word of God, based on the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit at work. When things come your way, what is your response, your first response? God, you're going to use everything for good. You're going to work this together for good. Something comes up you weren't expecting. God, I wasn't expecting that. That's, that's, that's hit me. I'm not talking about denying reality. That's, God, that's really impacted me. But how are we going to work through this? And there are two things that are really important for us to maintain this holy obsession. And these two things, the first one, is this. The first is a spirit perspective. You can have uh, different circumstances come, but you have a spirit perspective. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. This is, this is God speaking. He says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How do we get a spirit perspective? We learn to hear the voice of God. We did a series on it. It's available on our podcasts. You learn what it is to pray. You have a daily practice of opening up your heart to God, of reading the word of God. This is what it means to have a spirit perspective. When something comes your way, if you have a holy obsession, you're going to ask God to help. You're going to say, hey, God, how should I look at this? When you have tragedy, when you have prosperity, no matter what the circumstances, 
someone just puts in your bank account $100,000 and you're like, okay, come on. I need a bigger credit card limit, right? When you receive that, you're like, okay, God, what's next? How do you want to use this for your glory? In the same way, when you receive tragic news or there is dysfunction, when there is heartache, when you're in toxic circumstances, you have a spirit perspective and say, okay, God, what do you want to do? Can you see how that is going to be releasing? You need a spiritual perspective, a spirit perspective. And the second thing, you need to have a spirit partnership, spirit perspective and a spirit partnership. Does anyone here make, uh, have a regular appointment with Dr. Google? So like you've got a headache, here's the scenario, it's late, maybe on a Thursday night, you're not quite at the weekend, but you're almost there, you're a little bit tired, you've been working hard, maybe you've been studying hard, maybe you haven't had as much sleep or as much rest, maybe you haven't been eating as well as you want and you're late at night, you have a headache and then Dr. Google confirms that you are only one of two people in the world to have a very rare disease. And then you go in this spiral and then you start writing your memoirs and you start, you know, what do I, who's going to be at the funeral? And so it's funny, but we do it in different ways. We start partnering with fear and we start partnering with disappointment. And that's not God's plan for us. When you have a holy obsession, you start to partner with the Word of God. That doesn't mean that you can't get sick. It probably should mean that you don't self-diagnose yourself on Google, but I mean, that's totally up to you. But you have this desire to partner with the truth of God, that when something difficult comes, you're going to say, God, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm going to partner. I'm going to connect myself to you. I'm going to see what you're saying. I'm going to hear what you're doing. I'm going to get your perspective. And then let's walk this life together. What a wonderful thought that God wants to walk life with you. And so sometimes we got all these kind of things that say, okay, let me sort this out, God, and I'll, I'll figure it out. And when I figure it out, then we can walk together. Or let, let me just do what I need to do. I need to fix this area of my life and then we're going to walk forward. Or, or I need to get better from this condition or I need to deal with this situation or circumstance. That doesn't sound very good, but we all do it, myself included. But what God calls us into is spirit perspective and a spirit partnership to partner with life, to partner with possibilities, to partner with healing, to partner with wholeness, to partner with this idea that anything that happens, God can use it for good. God can turn it around. Spirit perspectives and spirit partnership. Now, we've talked about this, but the Bible is so clear that God just doesn't want us to talk about it. He wants to experience it. You know that uh, rut that I was in about three or four years ago? I had a a pattern of thinking. Anytime I would think about this particular relationship, this particular situation, I would have a well-worn path that would take me to some form of, I wouldn't say deep depression, but I wouldn't feel good about myself. I wouldn't feel hopeful. I wouldn't feel at peace. And I remember one time I prayed about it and the Holy Spirit just healed it. 
and it was just like that well-worn path it just it didn't go in the same direction we have a a wonderful family uh, in our church and uh, the Parfoots and they have another function today but Lyndall has shared this story that uh, tragically her brother uh, took his own life and committed suicide and for her to cope she had to block off all memories of him all memories from their childhood and growing up and the fun that they had together and it was earlier this year in uh, just in a meeting and, and someone in the meeting said what's Jesus inviting you what area is Jesus inviting you to trust in him and the Holy Spirit just met her in that moment and just healed her and allowed her in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the rawness, in the midst of the dis- disappointment, in the midst of the questions that she had, just to heal her so that she had these memories of her brother just flooding back. Here's my question. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. If you had something on your heart that you wanted God to restore, what would it be? Maybe something from your childhood. Maybe a broken dream, a disappointment. Maybe it's a a pattern of behavior. You keep doing something and you hate yourself for it. We're going to believe that the Holy Spirit will meet each and every one of us. We're going to create some space, a couple of minutes. And we're going to wait on God. And what I want to let you know and be really clear about is when we wait on God, it provokes the flesh. When we wait, our minds start to go, what are we waiting for? Why aren't we moving on? But when we create that type of space, it's an invitation for the Spirit to move. There is power in the waiting. When baby elephants are born in uh, many parts of the world, what they will do when they're young is they will tie their legs and they'll tether them to a stake, a stake in the ground. And when they're young, that stake will be strong enough to hold them. But as they grow, and as they grow and grow and grow, they become way more powerful. Their physicality, the the power within them is far beyond the attachment to that stake and that chain. But because they have demonstrated and proven to themselves from a young age that they cannot break free, they never try. Here's what I want to say. That the power of Jesus Christ that is within you is far more powerful than anything, than anything in your past. And we are, t- we are tethered, we are attached to these stakes. Yes, they may have held you in the past. Yes, they may have limited you. I'm not saying that that's not true. But right now, the presence of God is alive within your spirit. The power of Jesus. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. And so this next part, this is people, this is for people who want to get free. This is for people who want to get free. 
This is for people. It's, it works like this. If you don't want to get out of the rut, no one's going to make you. But if you've got a hunger, if you've got a desire to trust Jesus, even if you don't know the answer, even if you don't know what's next, if you, even if you can't get a sense of the complete picture, but there's something within you that God says, that God is whispering, say, you can be free. You can get out of this rut. You can be different because of the power that I've placed with you. Why don't you stand to your feet? And we're going to pray together. And we're going to wait on God for a couple of minutes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, open up your heart. Open up your heart. Open up your heart. Open up your heart. Jesus, if you're hungry, let God know. Say, God, I want to be free. God, reveal yourself. Reveal what you want to heal. Here's what I say. God reveals to heal. If you have a wound that is sore, if you have something in your heart that is painful, God has revealed that to heal that. Right now, there are people that are, are being healed from their, the patterns of thinking about their relationship with their dad and things that they have done to cope with that. Maybe some things that weren't good or were not healthy. And God wants to bring a release in the name of Jesus. Broken relationships. So just let the Holy Spirit Speak to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's healing memories. New patterns are forming. The power of God. New ways of parenting. New ways of relating. I want to say there's a great grace for this. This is not, you don't earn this. You just receive this. It's by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Lord, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. God's working beyond this meeting. There are people that you're connected with that God's actually speaking to. And so this week, there's going to be reconciliation. Don't be surprised. People call up and say, hey, I just want to talk to you about something. I just want to make something right. Thank you, God. God's healing anxiety, patterns of anxiety, patterns of depression. For those that have got relationships that are super complicated, God's going to give you a heavenly perspective, a holy obsession. If you've got a relationship in your life that's super complicated, just wherever you are, just put up your hand. We're going to release faith. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's going to be breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And God's going to use you as a carrier of grace. And part of that breakthrough starts here because you're going to begin to see differently. God is going to give you insight to see what God's doing. He's also going to give you insight to see motives behind what is happening so that you can clearly recognize, you can pray, you can speak life. And God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Before we go, just have a, uh, a word 
Uh, it's, it's a little bit unusual, but is there anyone here who has a foot injury for maybe something, your foot was kind of damaged and when it happened, you were wearing thongs? Is that, is there anyone here that has that? No? Yes? If that's you, can you let me know? Yep. Okay. Thanks. We're just going to release the power of Jesus. Lord, we just pray for your healing over this injury in the name of Jesus. Lord, release your power right now. Release your anointing. Release your anointing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here's what I want to say just before we close up. God has invited you to have a heavenly perspective and a holy obsession. And here's what's going to happen. You are going to feel the gravitational force of that rut. Because I know, I experience it. I'm partnering with God. I, I know the feeling when my mind is starting to take me somewhere and I'm making a decision in faith, in grace, I'm not going there. I'm not going down that track anymore. And this is going to take a little bit of focus. It's not your energy, it's not your effort, but it is your focus. Just to say, God, I'm partnering with you. I'm partnering with your grace. I'm partnering with your grace. I'm not going to go down that way. I'm not going to uh, do what I used to do, but I've got a new way of being and a new way of living. Come on, let's give thanks to God. Thank you, God. God, we thank you. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you and you honour you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray and I thank you for a life flow of grace and of faith throughout this church, the relationships we have, the networks that we're in, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, enjoy uh, your long weekend. Looking forward to next week, I'm going to be speaking on anxiety and what the Bible has to say about it. So uh, love to see you here. Hang around, have something to eat, and uh, see you soon. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.